this is one small step for man and one giant leap for Nacho Mama's Christy Podcast. Welcome everybody to Nacho Mama's Christian Podcast. The Christian Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I am your host, Shane, here with my brother Eric. Um, I have um, a- um what? I, I didn't think you could make me more angry by an intro, but yeah, you can. You can find a way. Uh-huh. Um, I have a kind of funnier story to tell everybody about a time that you... You just go right into it, huh? <laughs> yeah, why dilly-dally? <laughs> in no time. <laughs> I kind of have a funny story to tell everybody. <laughs> All right. Oh, what's wrong with you? Are you I'm okay? Laughing. I'm laughing. Um, about a time Shane embarrassed himself oh. and this podcast. <laughs> that yeah. doesn't happen too often, though. Yeah, so <laughs> every episode. <laughs> so, um, uh, as you guys know who are listening, first off, thank you for listening to Nacho Mouse Podcast. Yeah. Um, and you can find us a lot of different ways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can just, just look it up. Look it up. Look at the show notes. Um, but we're, we're a big deal, right, Shane? No. <laughs> no, we're not. At times... We feel like we're a big deal. We're not a big deal. We're like we're like mid mid deal. Here's the thing though. I never feel like we're a big deal. No, because we're doing this at our kitchen table with ever, our kids' monitors. <laughs> ever feel no, like we're a big deal. But we interview some people I'm like, why why are they interview why are they talking to us? Yes, yeah, I agree with that. But even in those moments, I'm not like, well, that's because we're a big deal. No, I'm I'm, never- <laughs> I'm always I'm always more humbled, like they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so um we had the chance to go to um what exactly was it called? That it was it was National Geographic headquarters yep. in Washington D.C. It was a season two premiere of of, of the show Mars. Yes, which Rob's going to talk about because we have the showrunner from the show Mars, yes. which is on National Geographic. We recommend you watch it on Monday nights. On Monday nights, um, it by well, I think by the time this is out, there might only be one episode left in season gotcha. two. So I don't imagine too many people are going to go try to find. Start. I'm going to start watching the season. Yes, season but you two. can stream it. You can stream it a lot of different places. I believe it's on Hulu, but you also just. You guys know how to stream things. You know, we yeah. don't need to explain that, right? It's 2018. <laughs> we don't need to explain that. Anyway, so we're there, and um, the the person who there was a person who was kind of getting us our 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 stuff to go to this event. Not anyone could just go to this event. Um, so you had to be a big deal. <laughs> had to be a big deal. <laughs> and so we're we are a podcast, and we knew we were going to be interviewing somebody <laughs> from this show. So um, that makes us press. So the publicist who was who sent us up with uh, the person that that we interviewed today, D. Um, they were letting us know, okay, here's here's all the information. You can bring your wives, whatever. We're like, okay, and we're like, how do we dress? Like, we didn't yeah. know, we didn't know what to do. So we show up, and she says, here's here's your name on the list, whatever. And she tells us what list we're on. And Shane starts starts talking to the person who's checking in, saying, okay, what's your name? And he says, I'm Shane. <laughs> <laughs> she says, what's your last name? Uh, Balanstein, Shane Balanstein. And then she's like, I don't see you on the list. And I was like. Oh, well, we're like, that's okay. We'll just go home. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh, we're supposed to be on this list." Like I knew the name of the list. She's like, "Oh, okay. Oh, are you press?" <laughs> and then the answer for all you listening is, of course, yes, we are press. Shane goes, "No, no, we're not press." <laughs> and I went, "Shane, we're press. We're a podcast." And he's like, and she's like, "Yeah, you're press." <laughs> she went, "Oh yeah, I guess we are press." No, no. What I in. said to her was, she said, "Are you press?" I said, "No, we're a podcast." <laughs> I said, "That is press." Yeah. And she was like, "Yeah, that is press." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is my first time." <laughs> <laughs> you did say that. 
Oh, I, man. I didn't know what we were doing whatsoever. Oh, I, gosh. It was so embarrassing. This is, this is what I think. Whenever anybody says press, what I think of is like paparazzi for whatever reason. <laughs> I know that's not accurate. That's just what comes to my mind when I think of press like oh we didn't have a camera we're we gonna take pictures i'm not what are we on the red carpet interviewing people like if that's what i think of when it comes to press so she's like are you press like oh no we're not we're just podcast <laughs> <laughs> no we are press because we were there yeah. as press because but we it was, knew we were going to be interviewing somebody from from yeah. the show it was a really cool event though and that was one of the cool there was things a mashed about. potato bar yes <laughs> there was and, and i'll tell you this i'm not a huge mashed potato fan in general, but like when I saw there's a mashed potato bar, first of all, I've never seen, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and I was like, oh, well, let's go check out. They had like one side that was regular mashed potatoes, the other side that was sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes. And then you could, you could put all the fixings on it, whatever you wanted. Chives, sour yeah. cream, bacon. Yeah. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. It was, it was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, this is actually delicious. Yeah. Um, but it was cool. And we got to hang out and get some food. The and- first hour we were just there, like, Smoozing, yeah, we're just walking around. <laughs> we didn't talk to anyone. <laughs> we only talked. It was it was us two and our wives, and it was a date night. Shane, is what it was. Yeah, Shane and I went to like the virtual reality thing, and like yeah. probably were like idiots. Like, hey, what's this? Yeah, and we're yeah. trying things on. We're taking pictures in front of stuff. Yeah, it was cool being National Geographic stuff. And then we went um, into where they were doing the screening, and there's a bunch of people there like in suits. Yeah really professional and we're in khakis <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're worried there were some people that were underdressed compared yes. to us but and we watched um, one of the episodes from mars which was really cool and then we heard from like super super like important people like yeah. someone from nasa like yeah. not just like the janitor nasa it was like the third Who's also an important person <laughs> it was like the th- oh what's your story the person who cleans like i'm helping send someone to the moon right, that's right <laughs> Because every person is valuable. Every person that contributes is is important. Listen, no matter the, how big or small the task, the, the janitor at NASA is replaceable. Oh, wow. The person that we heard from that was from NASA was not replaceable. He was yeah. like the second or third in command in NASA. Like he yeah. was like high up. There's so National Geographic, like the president of National yeah. Geographic. It yeah. was like people was like there was also Whoa. the director of Star Wars yeah. Rogue One was there. Yeah, <laughs> that was he really was on cool. a panel. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, so they had a little panel. They were like arguing on the panel about bit. like how they would get to Mars because. It was three people, so, someone from NASA, someone that wrote a book about Mars, um, somebody else that has something to do with Mars, and then the director of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, even he was like, why am I here? Yeah, but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, they were all talking, and, and, and they were starting to get in like, fights about like how they would get there, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, they say, and we say it in this interview, they say that we will be at Mars. It, we're going to land people on Mars by like 2030. Yeah. That's what they've been saying. Yeah. yeah. They, 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 it's Shane, it's, 20, it's realistic. It's 2018. Yeah, I know. It's it's a realistic thing that that could happen and um obviously we've we've landed different like rovers and things on Mars um but never never an individual. Uh but it's it is after going to that I was like, wow, this is a lot closer than I realized. I hear but here's the cynical side that comes out of me. Yeah. I feel like I've been hearing that we're going to be landing on Mars in 10 to 15 years for my whole life. Have you? I feel like you haven't never heard it. I don't know. I've never been pressed before. First, <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah. So I remember I always hear him like, okay, but they've been saying that for a long time. But Elon Musk is in, in the game now. So this, but at this panel, it was pretty convincing. And they were like, everyone was pretty much in agreement. Like, yeah, oh, this is, this is happening with it. Definitely within our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but definitely. But we still haven't landed lifetime. on the moon. That was fake. 
Yeah, right. Steph Curry <laughs> thinks it was fake. I did see that. <laughs> Steph Curry thinks it was yeah, fake. Yeah. A lot of people think ridiculous. Stanley Kubrick, the director of Shining, directed it. Yeah, that's whatever. And if you watch the, the documentary Room 223, mm-hmm. then they will they talk about how he is trying to tell you that it was fake and there's a lot of things. Oh please. Uh, what did the kid wear on his shirt? It was a there was a little uh rocket ship. Anyways, hey I, <laughs> I, I, I was just saying. Yeah, I got a question for you. So if just ask. Yeah. When um you know how it's been talked about where there may be a possibility to send like not just astronauts to the moon or in space, but yeah. people like who just have money and just yeah, want to do it. I've seen it, Wally. Right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, and uh, would you would you if you had the money to get on a rocket ship and go to the moon? Yeah. Would you do it? A hundred percent, definitely never. Really? No, I am terrified of space. <laughs> I am terrified of space. The idea, you ever seen Gravity? Uh-huh. The idea of being lost in space yeah. is, spoiler, when George Clooney just had to sail away, <laughs> I was like, that's my nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I would hate, because it's dark nothingness. How long would it take for you to just take your helmet off and just die? See, that's what you need to do. Yes. Because you don't want to wander forever. But you know, but you know what? Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would just be like, I'm just going to wander because no one else gets to wander. Yeah. I'm going to see what I can see. Maybe I'll run into a star. <laughs> Maybe I'll run into If some. you ran into a star, you would die. <laughs> yeah. Well, still, I, mean, I, I probably, if I was in that position, first off, I'd be having the craziest panic attack ever, mm-hmm. obviously, because I'm, first off, I'm in space. And there's nothing out there. There's nothingness. <laughs> dark nothingness but i would i would maybe float a little bit just be like yeah, i'm just gonna see where i float maybe yeah. i'll float back to earth <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that that's i mean how eventually that my oxygen is gonna run out so yes. no i probably wouldn't open my mask because i'm hoping that as the oxygen runs out i like instead just fall asleep oh uh, yeah there's no science behind that i'm just i think no, I would, like my if, brain would tell me that and i thought i thought that like if once you open your mask don't you just like die instantly i don't know I don't want to find out. I don't want to go. Either. Why? Would you go to space? No, I don't really. No, but I don't think. I think I would get sick. Like, yo, we would all get sick. We, like, you, I get sick too. Motion sickness, trying yeah, to get up there. I don't want to. I don't want to get sick. So that's the only reason. Uh, you don't want to embarrass somebody. No, yeah, <laughs> no, I have this like fear of just like like puking into my helmet, <laughs> just like <laughs> like Steve-O in the fart mask. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh that's Look, terrible. That that deserves a, at least a Google. <laughs> if you've never seen that, but, so uh, Steve-O fart mask. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't want to do that. <laughs> but overall, it's just I I don't really have too much of a desire to do. That. I feel like the risk outweigh outweighs the reward for me. Maybe. Like I think it'd, it'd be cool. Like I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be cool to go up into space. But I just don't really don't really care to. I would want way more people to do it before I did it. Do you like like space related like shows? Yeah. Sure. Like um, yeah. or movies, like you big Star Wars. You weren't you actually wearing a. You wore I your am. Star Wars shirt. Uh, yep, for our phone interview. Yeah, I, she could not see you. Right, I'm wearing a Star Wars shirt, but I, I've we've said before that I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I've seen them. I haven't seen the Han Solo movie yet, though. No, it's fine. I've yeah. seen. I'm like, I know what like I know nerd culture. Mm-hmm. I lo- I enjoy nerd culture. I'm a big yes. Avengers guy. I'm kind of part of that nerd culture. Speaking of that, I've seen. The, how many times you watch that trailer? Any uh, trailer? Um, once. Seen it like 
I saw. I, I've watched I it watch, once, and then I watch breakdowns of it. Why? I, I, I don't want to do that. I like it. I don't want to break it down. <laughs> I like. I, I just. I'll thing. just check it out. I'm like, cool, and then that's all I need to see. Yeah. I don't need to see any more than that. I know. I'm gonna see it anyway. But yeah. But I. So I understand what nerd culture is when it comes, especially when it comes to Star Wars, and I understand what that takes. And I'm not. I know I'm not that. Mm-hmm. I enjoy. Do I enjoy Star Wars? Of course, I enjoy Star Wars. I'm a human. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy Episode One through Three. Those are terrible. <laughs> but the other ones I like. But I don't like it so much that I can feel like I can be like, yeah, I'm a big Star Wars guy. Yes, because yeah. I don't even. I can't even name how many. Oh, I'm gosh. playing game with you really quick. <laughs> how many Star Wars? You saw a click in my yeah, head. Yeah, Because <laughs> none of this we little behind the scenes where we were at the recording intro we were like we're we gonna talk about let's just talk about the nat geo thing and we'll just see what happens yeah yeah <laughs> anyway okay how many star wars um people can you name characters go mm, all right han solo luke skywalker princess leia chewbacca uh-huh. Uh-huh. darth vader uh-huh. um jar jar binks uh darth oh, maul um obi-wan kenobi um uh boba fett um, oh, wow, you're, getting, you're doing better than I thought you would. Um, let me see who else. Anakin Skywalker. He's, he's also Vader. Darth Vader. <laughs> Spoiler. I know. Um, Natalie Portman. <laughs> I don't remember her name. <laughs> Samuel Jackson. Um, what was his name? I don't Yoda. Know. Oh yeah, Yoda. Oh the. Um, what about the robots? Uh, oh yeah, R two D two and C three PO. Yep. Uh, what's the Emperor? Um, oh, oh, Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forgot about the new ones. Yeah. Uh, Oh, what's the girl's name? She's like the main character in the new ones. Is it? Uh, it's. It's not Ren. It's, oh, is it? It's Ray. It's Ray. Ray. Yep. And um. Oh, and then the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Ewoks. I would have counted yeah, the Ewoks. The Ewoks. Name the Ewoks. Uh, oh, um. Uh. Uh. Dar- <laughs> uh no, the big guy. Um. Ooh, uh, what's his name? Oh, it's gonna turn. <laughs> oh shoot! What is his name? Oh gosh! Oh, people are screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's gonna <laughs> we can't. I'll cut it out if I need to. We gotta think of it. I know is. we have to think of it. Star, what is, what uh, is it? No, no, no! Don't look it up. We have to find it out. Everyone, whenever it's like a big, everyone's like a big slob. They call him this. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, people are so mad. Han Solo, so, same in Princess. Is all in her like, in her like chained up. Oh, I cannot think of it. I'm panicking now. <laughs> we, all right, we just gotta look it up. Yeah, because we can't end it without finding out. What should I type in? Yeah, big guy, <laughs> fat Star guy, Wars. fat blob, slug, <laughs> the up. slug. Oh man, it's gonna. <sighs> this it's is embarrassing. Java the Hutt. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Java the Hutt. How do we forget? I just kept Jabba thinking Boba Fett, and I was like, oh, Hutt. I was mixing up Boba Fett and Jar Jar Binks. Trying to mix the two like Jarba Fett. Jar, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. anyway, okay, we should probably get to our interviews. Yeah, we're trying to listen to. Yeah, people we've embarrassed ourselves to do this. enough. Yep. So, well, hey, oh, we, storm, stormtrooper. Oh yeah, stormtroopers. But anyways, we had the privilege of of interviewing um, D Johnson, and she is the showrunner for season two of the show Mars, which we would encourage you to watch, check out. It's a really cool, interesting show that we talk a lot about, obviously in the interview. But it, what what we really like about it is it's kind of half documentary, half show at the same time, and it goes back and forth, and um, it's a it's a really really uh, engaging story. Uh, on both sides of the of the storyline of it and the documentary part of it so we would encourage you to check it out but we really enjoyed ourselves interviewing Dee Johnson so here's our interview well we're here 
with Dee Johnson, who is the, the showrunner for uh, the TV show Mars, uh, which is a really cool show that, that, we, that we've been able to check out. And um, Dee, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. If you could just give us a little bit of background as to who you are and how you got involved um, in, uh, in making shows and, and some of that information for us. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's a, that, that could be a very long story. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, I started on Mars now. What's crazy is that you know it is a little bit of a protracted process when you're dealing with a show as unique as Mars because it is a hybrid. Not only we have the scripted part of it, but we have the um, the documentary part of it, and so and a lot of CGI. It takes quite a bit of time. So it, it's it's funny talking about it now since it's airing. But you know we wrapped physical production um, a year ago. Oh wow! So in any event. Who I am. I came on Mars season two. Uh, I'm a showrunner. I've been writing for television for bunches of years that I won't even, I won't articulate the number because it'll just make <laughs> me sound 100 years old. But um, I've been at it a long time. And uh, this show presented such a unique, um, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. And I thought, mm-hmm. I want to try this. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. I don't yeah. know. What else do you need to know about me? <laughs> I, I, I'm a writer from a long way back. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, if you go to, if anyone goes to your IMDb page, you can see a bunch of the shows that you've you've written on or, or you've produced, like Nashville, ER, some of those things, which are like, oh man, she's done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So yes, I was I was a child when I started. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what we when you kind of mentioned it, but what we found it interesting about Mars is that hybrid that it's like a a show of just about people getting to Mars and how you survive on Mars. Plus, it's actually a documentary about doing that. So how, how does that work, trying to piece those two together, like when it comes to writing it, like how you try to figure those things out with all the interviews you do about actually going to Mars? It was really, I have to say, it was a real challenge. As I said, there's really nothing like it. But we had the ben- I came on season two, so I didn't have to go through as much of the painful birthing process that probably happened with season one. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I saw about it, I thought, I think there's a way to do this and make it um, maybe a little bit, tiny bit smoother. And so from the very beginning of the season, uh, with our writing staff, we got together with our documentary producers. Basically, they were in the writing, writing room with us uh, pretty much every step of the way in the beginning as we were arcing out our season. So they knew what we were going to do, and we discussed at length what they were going to do, at least as much as you can, plan, document. And the big difference is when I'm scripting something, I know what I'm going to get in the can, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But when somebody's doing documentary, they know what they want to get and hopefully will get. But you're, you know, you're dealing with real people in real-life situations, so hopefully you'll get what you plan for, but there's no guarantees. Um, we locked in on uh, you know, themes that sort of would sync up with each of the episodes and sort of the arc of the season. So we basically planned it all together as much as we possibly could. But we were shooting scripted at the same time they were all over the world shooting the documentary. Um, and so that meant that the final, you know, fusion of the of the show was in editorial afterwards. And so then then it's just sort of a uh, an interesting um, process of mm-hmm. making it sync up. Yeah, that's but a, there that's, was a lot of planning involved, and it really made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. That's a really unique uh, sort of way of, of putting a show together. And, and a lot of times, it, uh, if you haven't seen the show, I don't want you to think that it's like a reenactment or anything like that. That's like poorly done. There is a really good storyline that goes along with a documentary and about information about Mars and Earth. But one of the cool things about the show is the correlation that that is often made between possible life on Mars and life currently on Earth and how those things can kind of be intertwined. Can you talk a little bit about um, about the correlation between those two? 
Well, you know, it, it, the interesting thing, it, the, the hard part about it is, is uh, season one had the benefit about like getting, it was mostly the focus was getting to Mars and sort of the mm-hmm. initial uh, sur- uh, surviving the, you know, the arrival. And there's a, a tremendous amount of like information and knowledge about that process. Season two, of course, we have a, a colony now that has been established. We don't have a colony on Mars, you know, and so yeah, a lot of stuff, they know a lot, but there's a lot they don't know. And, um, so, but, but, but you know, at the, what we do know is this, you can, especially as a writer, you're always looking at human nature and you look at our own history and certain things do kind of repeat themselves uh, over and over and over again. So it was not a stretch to think, look at some of the things that happened, you know, in, in early exploration days. Mm-hmm. And, and those things still kind of apply. There's always a push-pull between, um, you know, industry and, and uh, you know, and, and, and science. And so... And just, you know, human nature and what would happen to people when they were out exploring and, and you know, encountering different things. Mm-hmm. So it was really not a stretch to just sort of look back at our own history and think, well, I knew the first thing I wanted to do in season two is that these, these scientists have been on the planet alone for X amount of years. And I knew the first thing I wanted to do was bring in another entity, another group of people that had a very different agenda mm-hmm. um, yep. to sort of play out those themes of, these guys are there for theoretically altruistic reasons to study, explore, and then we bring in some other people who are there for, you know, potentially developing the infrastructure for migration. Yeah. And the trick was I didn't, it wasn't a matter of like, these are the bad guys and these are the good guys. My, my, the, the whole point was that, you know, these things should not work separate from each other. It's about finding that balance because they do need each other to yeah. one degree or another. Yeah, the the one episode that sticks out to me when thinking about the correlation was the uh, contagion episode where right. um, there with a, a new sickness that was coming on, in the episode. I don't, we don't give anything away, but yeah, uh, I mean this episode is aired already. But, yeah, um, yeah, uh, so, feel free to spoil away. <laughs> yeah. But but I did find like my wife and I were watching. We were like finding it gripping, not only just the actual like um, the the fictional part of the show, but hearing about i can't remember what it was was it russia or or area they were trying they were finding new new low new land and all of a sudden this disease came i can't yeah. remember exactly what yeah. it was, but i remember being like whoa i'm like this happened like this can ha-, and, and it makes sense how that can happen when you go to someplace like mars for sure mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The, the whole russia on, on the documentary side of, of that episode was really both interesting and really compelling and kind of scary you know because they yeah. were really sticking their necks out um, to even participate in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we the 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 show centers around life on Mars, obviously. And one of the cool things, and I don't know if like if you were aware of this or the people who made the show were aware of how close NASA was to sending um, that that rover on Mars was a couple weeks ago, um, where they actually landed on Mars. But I bet that that was pretty cool for you guys that you had the show going airing currently, and then all of a sudden NASA lands a rover on Mars, and it's kind of a big deal, and everybody's talking about it. But we have seen seen that us make actual contact on Mars a couple times, not with a person, um, but but we've landed rovers and those sort of things. How close do you think, and I know that you're not a scientist and that you're a showrunner. But you're the smartest person about Mars that we know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's a bad state of affairs. <laughs> do you think that it is possible in the near future for us to actually land on Mars with a, with a person? Oh, yeah. No, I think it's there. It's really crazy how it's really ramped up, you know, just sort of Mm -hmm. it has become such a part of the collective consciousness. And I don't know whether it's, you know, the Elon Musk of it all or or whatever, but but it's really ramped up. And I know there's and, and, um, you know, the show was was developed based on a book written by Stephen Petranek, who is 
uh, a science writer, uh, among other things, and mm-hmm. also a co-executive producer on the show. And he is, he would be the first one to tell you that this is absolutely happening, and it's happening within, you know, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. I forget what he said to me yeah, last, wow. but I, I, it feels like we are definitely headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. And going back to something you said about, you know, this, this most recent insight landing, which was really very cool, but we began developing the arc for this um, season it wasn't nice, almost two and a half, a year and a half or so ago. I forget yep. when it was when we started. And, and what was really hilarious was we, we decided to go with certain um, storyline storylines. Um, and, you know, because we aren't on Mars currently, mm-hmm. you know, you, we talked to a tremendous amount of um, experts. And, and when it, it's sort of like when you do a medical show, you're asking a bunch of different doctors, here, give me this scenario. I need our heart attack to happen in Act 3, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. and hopefully they can help you with that. But we talked to a lot of different people. And, you know, there's a lot of different theories, but we, may, we went with the most optimistic um, version of, of stories so we could tell, you know, good stories. And, and what was crazy is as the thing happened, it started airing, things started happening in real life. Like we made the, the leap to have the search for liquid water be a big, big part of the season. And then earlier this year, there was this whole thing where NASA found evidence of liquid water. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm an oracle, you know. <laughs> and, then, and now... Um, you know, with insight, it's there to sort of dis- to uh, investigate, you know, seismic activity on Mars. And that's something we decided to do as well. And there was a lot of pushback from different people saying, well, you know, the core is cold and there may not be blah, blah, blah. But, mm-hmm. you know, we thought it's possible. So we're going to, there were enough people saying that this is possible. So we went with that. And that ended up being, uh, you know, a little prescient too. So it's been really, and I think just there was one other thing that happened, like they saw a cloud or something. Yeah. And, you know, we, we made um, terraforming, another sort of thing we were exploring a little bit in, uh, in this season. And, and so that was kind of cool, too. Mm-hmm. So I was one part lucky and one part oracle. <laughs> uh, I feel very, very, very blessed. Yeah. Um, one thing I always find interesting about the idea of going to Mars and thinking about, like, how we got to the moon and how it was a big competition that basically pushed us to get there and weren't, don't really have that big competition it feels like at this point and now we see like private industries like like uh elon musk uh, spacex. spacex um and and uh, do they have to be it's that does it have to be a combination between spacex and nasa in order to get there is it one or the other like i'm not i'm curious how it's whenever we do get there what it's going to take for us to get there since you're an oracle i'm curious <laughs> what you think it will be well, like I said, it's either lucky or an oracle. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I'm going to lean probably towards lucky. <laughs> I, I, I think that, honestly, there's so much technology that, that both of those t- sorts of entities have to rely upon. Sort of, I don't know if it ended up being a joint venture, but it seems more likely to be the case um, between uh, private industry and, and uh, organized space agencies like NASA and also just sort of world space agencies, too, which we depict in the show. We have this organization called the IMSF, which is a, a consortium of um, different uh, uh, nations. So, and, it, and by the way, it's unbelievably expensive. So I think that for anyone to really pull this off, it's probably going to be all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. And, and Space Force will definitely help with that, right? <laughs> That's right. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now, see, you, you see, you really sound like you know a whole lot about this, even not being a scientist. So I'm wondering, did you have um, uh, a lot of curiosity involved in making a show like this? Or was it a, a what sort of an opportunity brought up this where you did you already know a lot about Mars or space exploration or anything like that? And you're like, oh, I would love to do this. Or did you have to learn a lot before? For making the show, 
Well, I have always been, you know, you can't sort of not look at, at, at Mars as being sort of mm-hmm. compelling presence to sort of, it, 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 it sort of represents this, this exploration, this, there's a close attachment between, you know, when you think of Earth and Mars, there's, it's always been the subject of a lot of, you know, literature and cartoons and everything, right? So Mars right. is this thing that's always been sort of present. And it's not as though I'm like a, a space nerd or anything like that, but I had an interest. And then I watched the show and I was really intrigued by the premise. And I, I was just sort of intrigued by also the prospect of, you know, taking, as a writer, I'm, of course, I'm going to dig into all the human part of it because that all stories ultimately are about the human experience of it. You know, plucking these people and putting them on a planet, you know, 250 million miles from Earth, there's no, there's no 911, there's no mm-hmm. nothing. It's just you and there's, no one's going to get to you for seven months. And that's it. I just thought that was fascinating. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest draw was, you know, from a human nature point of view, what would that be like? And I imagine myself in that scenario, and which is probably why if you watch the show, there are certain things that I, I, I was joking with the writers uh, about what I would sort of need to, be, to survive there. One was a bar. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we also did this thing where we had a, uh, one of the other outfits bring a dog just because there are certain things you would just so miss yeah. about the earth, you know? Yeah, that's and we had one of our characters really struggling even though she came there with the intention of staying the entire time, that, you know, there's a, there's a, she hits the wall and just like the simple things that you would miss, just the idea of feeling a wind on your skin or rain or breathing fresh air at all, you right, know, is, right. hmm. that would drive me bananas. And so I definitely want, I dug into that where I could. Yeah. I've thought about if one of my biggest fears, honestly, is like being lost in space. I know it's not <laughs> likely going to happen to me, but I literally like, if I see like gravity or, or watch anything like like Mars, like the idea of not just me by myself being lost in space is scary enough. But when you look at it and you try to find a way to have community and work with these people in this closed environment in an area that's really hard to do, um, there's a podcast I listened to a long time called The Habitat. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard of that, where mm-hmm. it was it was people that were practicing getting ready to go to Mars and like oh, is that the thing in Hawaii, right? Yes, where that's they, right. Yeah. So and and I listened to a whole podcast on that and how they were even like starting to like freak out with each other and because you just there's things that you don't even under, realize that you would completely miss when you were up there and it's just a fascinating thing to to think about and i assume write about yeah because not only are you just too far away and, and in all likelihood especially the initial the initial um you know astronauts to go there i mean you know whether or not they can come back that's and when they could come back is a big i mean we have the luxury in our fictitious world of of making that a possibility, which I think would help you from being uh, <laughs> going crazy. It would not if help you were there, me. <laughs> if you were going there and it was a one-way ticket, I mean, I've been asked that a lot by a lot of the journalists that have done press where would you go? And, and I, I, unless there was a, unless it was a round trip ticket, I just don't think I could handle it. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think I would just, there's just too much about Earth I'd miss. Yeah, yeah. Our next question is: Would you go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Just hit rewind, and then yeah, you'll have your yeah. answer. So, uh, and uh, you, when you were talking about uh, living on Mars and the different things that you would miss, and and uh, that was something that I hadn't thought about just watching the show the, the first the first time around. But so since you since you brought it up, then and since you are a showrunner and you've worked in in TV and and so many different. Uh, uh, different projects if you were on mars what were what would be the one tv show that you would uh bring with you if you could that you could watch there's only one show that you can watch which one would it be oh gosh that is a really incredible question and i'm sort of torn between bringing 
a show that I love or uh-huh. bringing a show that has so many episodes it would keep me occupied oh, for smart. a really long time. You know, like, mm-hmm. do you do Law & Order because you have bazillions of years <laughs> worth of shows to watch? Yeah, yeah, that's a or, good question. Or, you know, do you bring a show that you just really are in love with, but, you know, after the 200th viewing of, you'd, you know, you'd want to uh, mm-hmm. kill yourself. Yeah, so I, yeah. I don't know. I probably would opt for the, um, the show that has more episodes just to kind of keep it somewhat fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. watch very many things multiple times over and over. So if if it had a lot of sh- a lot of episodes, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, how how was uh, the process of? Because you said you came in at season two. So how was the process of bridging season one, which you weren't a part of, and um, you weren't the showrunner of, to now working on season two? Was that a difficult process? How was that adjustment? I know it was like a, I think it was like a two year period between at least airings. But I'm not sure how long it was um, behind the scenes. Yeah, it, you know that is actually the, 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 one of the tough things is that it had it had been off the air for two years, which is a long time to be off the air. Although I think it's becoming more and more common with the shorter order shows that have a tremendous amount of CGI. I mean, you know, like Game of Thrones or whatever, which is not going to air until next year sometime. But yeah. um, in terms of making the adjustment, actually, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is easier because nothing is easy. But when you have a, you see a show in its first season you have the benefit of sort of being able to look at it really objectively and to sort of do your intel on, you know, what were the problems that were, uh, that the production butted up against. And so you, you have that knowledge base. So, so it was actually, and if you're good with voice at all, which I, I think I'm pretty good with voice, you know, it was actually um, a fun way to come in. I didn't have to go through all the growing pains and I could just mm. dig in and do, you know, more better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you can see it in a lot of shows where the first season is like fine, and then the season two is when it's like really starts getting its voice and its tone. And yeah. I can imagine coming from just completely outside of it, seeing season one, and be like, okay, I kind of understand what they're trying to do, but here's how I know I can use my voice and understand it and make it a little better. I can see how that can actually help the process mm-hmm. um, instead of even hinder it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, oftentimes with the shows in their first season, um, you know, the shows are such a leap of faith for all the parties involved, whether it's the networks and the studios. And so there tends to be a lot of, um, you know, micromanaging and just sort mm-hmm. of worry and fear. And, it, and it's, there's, so it's, it's always, first year show is always really difficult, to be honest. So that's why I'm saying coming in season two is actually loads more fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. So uh, now for you working on the show and it being on National Geographic, have you had any uh, experience working with National Geographic before? I hadn't at all, okay. and this it was it was different. I will say this because I commend that Geo. They do they they are very very protective of their uh, brand and as they should be. Mm-hmm. And what was really an interesting element of the of the process that I don't typically have to deal with to the degree that I did with Nat Geo is there was a tremendous amount of like you know really fact checking and and they're absolutely being as true to the science because they are dedicated to the science of it. Yeah. So it had to be as true as it could be. So. I mean, the fact checking was very intense, and you know, you're writing and you want yeah. to do whatever, and then it's really it's hard when um, you have to find the justif- the scientific justifications for everything. Everything. So <laughs> it did add a le- an element of um, you know intensity, but I think that the, the verisimilitude really he- helps. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that also having the documentary part of it there sort of lends. Um, this this feeling of authenticity to it you know mm-hmm. it sounded like when you were when when you grew up in school and you had to do math and you had a test and you had to show your work like how you got there <laughs> sounded yeah. like maybe that's what you had to experience <laughs> it was it was like that and there were definitely times that where i was less than and you know again there's a lot of theory right so there were times when 
you know, I'll as, as an example, there was an episode where one of the characters finds that she's pregnant, and there's like really, mm-hmm. honestly, very little scientific information on on the effects of being in space or zero gravity or less gravity and being pregnant. There's not. They just first off, it's really difficult to. How are we going to study it? Yeah. And um, so there's not a, a whole lot of science on it. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of question about whether or not it would be possible, given radiation and blah, 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 blah. And as I said earlier, uh, I, you know, we wanted to take the most sort of um, optimistic view of, of these circumstances so we could play drama. Otherwise, you know, if you think, well, you know, there's so much radiation, everybody would be sterile and have cancer. That, who's going to watch that? Yeah. You know, so we wanted, <laughs> to, we wanted to suggest that, the, that enough science had taken, uh, there was enough precaution taken in terms of the science, like, you know, you're talking about me not being a rocket scientist, which I absolutely wasn't uh, and am not. But, you know, we had to talk about, well, all the there'd be water shielding to really prevent the radiation. All their, all their um, spacesuits would be, you know, there was as much possible radiation shielding that, that we would. You wouldn't send people there unless you could really compensate for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but again, we did have to show our homework, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember uh, when I saw that when when the character was pregnant, I was like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how is yeah. how are they going to get out of this one?" <laughs> so, yeah. Well. But uh, Dee, we want to really thank you for taking some time um, with us and uh, and uh, spending some time uh, talking about the show Mars. Now, is there is there a season three? Are you going to be involved in season three moving forward? Or I, have, I don't know if they've made any of those decisions yet. They have not made any of those decisions yet. The show's still airing, and I I you know I'm not like I have. I haven't been at Nat Geo before, so I don't know what their mm-hmm. their process is for for making these sorts of decisions. Uh, but but a decision has not been made yet. Gotcha. Great. Um, so how can everybody find? I mean, it's we've kind of talked about how you can kind of find it, but how um, can people find Mars if they haven't um, seen it at all? Is it streaming anywhere, and how can they get more information about it? Well, it is. It is. I think you can do. I'm sure, you can do on demand stuff, but also you know Nat Geo has has its own little sort of streaming thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with with the various satellite television shows that you can sort of check out um and well worth doing definitely Great. i hope people do uh watch because it's i think it's not it's a, it's a rare combination and i if you say the word educational it's going to sound really boring and terrible mm-hmm. but i will say that even for me i learned a tremendous amount mm-hmm. just even like with my documentary partners and what they brought to the table yeah. and it's fascinating stuff mm-hmm. so uh, i hope your i hope your listeners watch yeah, I, I I love documentaries now. So do I. I think, They're really popular. I think the older I get, the more I like history and documentaries. Uh-huh. So when I start watching, like, oh, I like, I, I like the plot part of it, but I even think the documentary part enhances it even more, makes it unique and different, which mm-hmm. is why we really enjoy it. So yeah, we definitely recommend people listening to uh, watching it for sure. Mm-hmm. But D, Very we cool. want to really thank you for uh, for joining us and taking some time. So thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. To support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.